Love Action from the Dare album. I always thought that that was the best track on the album, but uh, everyone else says, Don't You Want Me? Oh, I prefer Love Action myself. And a Stephen Tintin Duffy with the icing on the cake. Another magnificent sunrise going on on the Pools of Monaco. We're having some amazing sunrise and sunsets at the moment, this lovely weather. Anyway, put the cake away. It's time to eat healthily for the new year. Are you eating these things? If not, you should be, unless you're a vegetarian or a vegan, of course. Uh, salmon. Yes. Yeah, I do like salmon. You like a bit of salmon? I'm quite good at cooking salmon as got well. Any I've, got, salmon? I've got the hang of it there. Sorted. Salmon provides a range of vitamins and minerals, including omega-3s, as well as protein, vitamin D, selenium and iodine. Uh, it's recommended having two portions of fish per week, one of which should be an oily type like salmon. Uh, nutritionists advise choosing wild salmon where possible because it's richer in omega-3 content and usually pinker, which means it has more of the antioxidant astahaxathin, which studies shown has been found to improve skin health. Yeah, no, you can't afford to eat wild salmon every day of the week, can you? Oats. Uh, oats are a brilliant source of fibre, providing a specific type called beta-glucan, which can help to lower cholesterol. Incorporate them into your breakfast if possible, uh, either by making porridge or overnight oats. Lentils. Uh, Plant-based proteins like lentils and beans are a rich source of fibre. They also contain iron and folates, which could help boost energy levels. Now, I don't eat enough lentils. I've got a couple of packets of lentils in the cupboard, and I just never get around to cooking them. It's really them. odd. I bought lentils for the first time. Did you? Well, I quite like lentils. Yeah, and so I've had I. them at restaurants, and but I'm not... Yeah, I wouldn't really know what to do with them. That staple of the French school canteen menu. <laughs> yeah, lentils. Sausages yeah. and lentils and carrots. Uh, nuts. Nuts are often lauded by health professionals thanks to their fibre, protein uns and unsaturated food uh, fat content. They also provide a range of key nutrients like thiamine and iron, which can help with energy and support your immune system. And of course, choose unsalted varieties and keep portions to a small handful as they are high in calories. Tomatoes. Tomatoes are underrated. I've never underrated them. <laughs> Uh, they're rich in vitamin C and natural phytochemicals like lycopene, the natural pigments that uh, give tomatoes their vibrant red hue. As for how to eat them, in an interesting way, try thinking beyond caprese salads and pasta sauces. You can add tomatoes to curries, soups or vegetable bakes. Actually, tomatoes are uh, a staple of a kind of basic masala sauce. Uh, uh. Apples. I never see you eating apples. Um, no, no, I do eat apples. Do you? Yeah. An apple a day? An apple a day. No, I like apples. An apple a day keeps Rob Harrison at bay. <laughs> uh, they provide soluble fibre as well as polyphenols, which can treat digestion problems and help protect you from cardiovascular disease. They're best eaten as either a healthy snack or with porridge for breakfast. Oh, I don't know about with the porridge. Yeah, I like oats, but I can't stand you porridge. You do like your oats, don't you? I like to get my bags oats. Of them. Yes. Mm. Green vegetables. Leafy green vegetables are one of the healthiest foods around thanks to the multiple vitamins they contain. Uh, spinach, broccoli and cabbage tend to provide vitamins C and A, folate and potassium, uh, which boosts immunity, energy and skin health. Broccoli is also one of the most nutritious because it contains DIM, methane, which is a powerful aromatase inhibitor. It means it can support hormone balance. I love broccoli. Been picking it in our garden already. Very nice. Plain yogurts. 
Uh, it might sound uninspiring, but it's a great base for snacks and desserts when you're trying to avoid sugary foods. It also provides protein, calcium, riboflavin and iodine, which plays a role in thyroid health. Whole grains, uh, carbohydrates like bread, pasta, bulgur wheat or freaky are quick to eat. What's that? Freaker. Do you know that? F-R-E-E-K-E-A. I don't know. Some kind of grain. Never heard of it. Uh, quick and easy to cook and rich in fibre as well as nutrients like niacin and phosphorus, which helps the body repair tissues and cells. And citrus fruits. They're in season at this time of year, and meaning they're a sustainable choice as well as a healthy one. Oranges, lemons and grapefruits are rich in vitamin C and provide folate, which helps convert carbohydrates into energy and is crucial for women during pregnancy. It's Lucky that eats all the apples. Does she? She loves an apple. No wonder mm. she's got such a healthy, glossy coat. <laughs> I'm eating two uh, Clem Vila's there at the moment. They're absolutely delicious. You remember those mandarin oranges you used to get in tins mm. when, you, you know, they taste like that but without all the syrupy sugar. Oh, nice. Really nice. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. Now, the London Times says the health of many young women is being compromised by lack of vital nutrients in their diet because they consume little or no red meat and dairy products, according to senior scientists. And in the Connection France, a new Tinder-style French phone application which matches users with a presidential candidate offering policies most similar to their own views has become the second most popular free app in France. And the Sydney Morning Herald says that the Australian government is looking into whether Novak Djokovic lied on his border entry forms as Immigration Minister Alex Hawke considers whether to cancel the tennis star's visa. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Nice Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Cannes, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. <laughs> well, one, well, OK, I'll tell, I'll tell you how we do this. I'll, uh, ask the questions now. Ask all three questions now. OK. And then I won't answer them all straight away and it might give somebody the, um, the opportunity to joss it down. OK. OK. All right. OK. Question number one. On this day in 1986, the Pet Shop Boys had their first UK number one single with which song? Right. Question number two. On this day in 2008, which Beatle helped launch the celebrations for Liverpool's year as European capital of culture? And the last question that I think you can answer, because you're going to play the song too. Am I? He was born on this day in 1949, Australian singer and lead vocalist of Sherbet, who scored a UK top five hit in 1976 with... You get an extra point if you can tell me the song. Oh, gosh. Australian singer, lead vocalist of Sherbet. Yeah. Is that what I'm going to say? It's sing? called How's That. That's the song. And what was the name of oh, the I can't, singer? You've asked me, I think you've asked me this before. I can never remember his name. <laughs> but it's definitely How's That, is it? You messed it's definitely about. How's That. Yeah. yeah. I caught you out. How's That. <laughs> how's That. I remember buying that. It's one of your favourites. I do like it. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, it reminds me of my childhood. And what's his name? Well, am I going to give the answer then? Well, we'll have to now. Oh, OK. Daryl Braithwaite. Oh, yes. Um, the first one is It Always On My Mind. It isn't. West End Girls? It is. All right. And what was the second question again? The second question was, on this day in 2008, which Beatle helped launch the celebrations for Liverpool's year as European capital of culture? Ringo Starr. <laughs> Correct. Peace and love, peace and love. Well, if you get your answers in first, you get a Riviera Radio calendar. How's, How's that? that? <laughs> 
hardly the right record to play with England's disgraceful performance in Australia, but there we go. Riviera Radio. Business. Morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very well, actually. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's all going well. Lots happening, of course, in markets to keep us busy. The political backdrop is uh, heating up here in the UK. So it's, uh, and, and we're watching the Djokovic story very closely. So it feels like uh, an interesting start to the year. And another day hanging around in your pyjamas because you're not back in the office yet. Uh, not back in the office yet. I think the work from home directive, I think that's about as far as you can go in terms of how strict it is. But the directive is at least until the 28th of January, if memory serves me correctly. So uh, certainly still got a couple more weeks. The kids go back to school today, which is good news. It feels like it's been forever, quite frankly, and certainly feels like it's very late. So that's uh, that's lightening the mood in the Potts household this morning. Well, when uh, Priti Patel, Dominic Rabetal uh, wrote that uh, Britain was a nation of slackers they had it right because our school children went back to week uh, a week ago so you know you're playing catch up, <laughs> i think you? most schools did to be honest i think it's <laughs> something peculiar about the school that my children are at but it's certainly been a an annoying week quite frankly after christmas but uh, all is well now it's all uh, the, the, that's that posh private school you send them to with all the suvs hanging around outside the school gates <laughs> uh, there's one big question though this morning henk uh, do you think boris johnson will still be prime minister by the end of the week <laughs> <laughs> Luigi, I see you've shortened your time frame. Um, yeah, the uh, publishing of the email that invited, I think, 100 people or so to a Downing Street party, certainly grabbing the headlines in the UK. I mean, there's certain political stories that sort of get everyone excited around Westminster, and there's other ones that cut through to the public and so forth. And even my children, talking of which, uh, have... Um, have been discussing the idea of people holding parties when, when we weren't allowed to. And remember, it's a very sensitive time. So no doubt um, the officials looking into who had a party, who went and who invited and how they were restricted, what wine, what cheese and what sausage rolls were served will uh, we'll, we'll take some time to get through the details of that, but likely to be one would suspect some victims. If it's Boris Johnson himself, I think still remains incredibly debatable. You're just grumbling because you weren't invited. <laughs> that may be true. It's a bit tacky, though, isn't it? You know, can wine and cheese and bring your own booze. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic English party, isn't it? Beautiful. Oh, I suppose so. Right, markets. Uh, everyone's very worried about when the Fed's going to uh, hike interest rates. But so we had a bit of a rebound on Wall Street yesterday after it plunged by 3% early on, but it uh, wasn't too bad at the end of the day. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting day in terms of equity markets yesterday, certainly remaining under pressure in Europe and for much of the session over on Wall Street. There's elevated levels of inflation, rising policy normalisation forecasts and the corresponding increase in bond yields encourage investors to reduce exposure to risk assets, particularly sectors that trade on elevated valuations. Remember, higher rates increases the discount applied to the value of future cash flows by analysts and also creates greater competition for equities. Technology sectors continue to be hit the hardest. We saw that in Europe, at least yesterday. While sectors that benefit from higher rates, such as the banks, have been outperforming. Banks benefit from higher rates because they boost net interest margins. The difference between the, um, the amount of money that they earn on loans compared to the amount of money that they pay on deposits. So European stocks actually finished down in negative territory. In fact, they were down 1.5%, registering the biggest daily decline in six weeks. On Wall Street, as you say, we saw a late-day rally. Equities staged an impressive turnaround through the end of the trading session. 
The S&P 500 at one stage was down 2%, and NASDAQ was down 3%. Then dip buyers came in and wiped out those losses. In fact, the S&P 500 closed down just 0.14%, and NASDAQ was flat. And that recovery should set us up for a better start on the European bourses this morning. So currently corner FTSE up 31 points. DAX over in Frankfurt up 78 points. CAC Corner in Paris up 44 points. Good to Eurozone unemployment data showing that employment is on the rise. Uh, well, will it put pressure on wages? But uh, that will be news to the uh, um, delight. And what, what's the expression? News to the ears of President Macron as he bids for re-election. It's true. The Eurozone labour market continued to strengthen despite the imposition of new COVID restrictions, supply chain disruptions and the winding down of furlough programmes. The unemployment rate fell to 7.2% in November. That's the lowest since March 2020 and a dramatic improvement over the 8.1% rate registered a year earlier. The number of people unemployed fell 222,000 month on month in the Eurozone. Although these figures should remember do not include discouraged workers or those who are still on job retention schemes. The rebound in the Eurozone's labour market has certainly been faster than expected. Very few signs of that long-term scarring that was once feared is now only marginally above that pre-pandemic Euro era low, which should help support, you say, household consumption levels once these extra restrictions are eased. I think we'll see some impact in the first quarter of uh, the restrictions in terms of household demand. But let's hope it doesn't last too long. And the labour market improvement is certainly seen as good news for uh, the prospects in the Eurozone. Are the Eurozone markets starting to price in the results of the French election yet? Or is it too early to say? No, I think it's probably too early to say where we are in terms of the, the French elections. I mean... We know that what well, the 10th and 24th of April, if memory serves me correctly, but we are entering a new phase coming through. President Macron has been increasing his lead in the opinion polls. If you look at the latest surveys um, published at the, certainly the beginning of January, it gives him a 27% uh, lead, uh, or it gives him 27%, if memory serves me correctly, in the first round and 55% to 63% in the runoff, depending on who he's facing. So. Markets are watching those carefully. It's, it's an important political event to watch out for during the course of this year. But um, there's still a lot to play for, one would suspect. But it certainly looks like he's in the lead at the moment. Yeah, I don't know if it's as cut and dried as that. It depends what happens in the first round because of France is really lurching to the right politically. And there are two sort of extreme right-wing candidates in the first round, uh, Eric Zemmour and uh, uh, Marine Le Pen. Now, if they were to take each other out in the first round, i.e. split the far-right votes, then it might allow Valérie Pécresse, the Republican candidate, to sneak into the second round. And once she's there, almost certainly against Macron, it could be quite an interesting contest. OK, that's it's interesting to gauge, gauge your views on that. Obviously much closer to, to it than, than we are here. I think the resurgence of the pandemic could also have, of course, important consequences for the campaign and the evolution of public opinion. So a number of moving factors set to make it perhaps an interesting contest as we look towards April. I know you've been down to Goodwood to have a look around, you know, uh, sizing up the rollers, <laughs> you know, any, any chance of uh, you uh, parking a Cullinan SUV in your drive in the near future? <laughs> uh, a very little chance, unless I'm doing it as an extra job as a chauffeur, one would suspect. Rolls-Royce Motorcar Company, of course, owned by BMW, bounced back from the pandemic with its highest annual sales in its 117-year history in 2021. 
They sold 5,586 cars last year. That was up 49% on 2020. Seen strong demand for the Ghost, but as you also say, their 4x4 proposition, the Cullinan model, has uh, certainly been uh, grabbing the attention of buyers. Record sales in China, the US and Asia-Pacific region, so broad-based demand. Also increasing demand for its higher margin bespoke options, so they'll be pleased about that. Turns the outlook said the order book looks promising during the course of this year. Rolls Royce is continuing to invest in its electric capability. The brand's first full electric model is scheduled to be released in the fourth quarter of 2023. I think it's named the Spectre, actually. I'm not sure about that, but I think it's called the Spectre. So uh, uh, we wait to see whether an electric Rolls-Royce can uh, also continue the uh, the trend in that direction. Well, you better take up taxi driving if you're going to get a colour in an SUV. The, the black ones do look a little bit like a London taxi. <laughs> you do have to be, I'm sure they're very nice. I, don't, I, I haven't been in one, I have don't to say. Don't say that I, around here. No, I think, listen, I think, yeah, I think it's probably an amazing drive and they talk about that magic carpet ride and all those things. I think it's probably a great car, but if you get it in black, black, I think you're taking a risk that someone may try to flag you down to uh, to get home from the nightclub. Foreign exchanges, please. <laughs> Pound against the dollar coming in at 135.5 this morning. Euro dollar coming in at 113. You're going to get just under one euro 20 cents for your British pound this morning. Taxi for pots. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lys has the top stories across the Riviera. According to the latest data available from Public Health France, the COVID incident rate stood at 2,577 in the Outmara team between the 1st and the 7th of January, are breaking all records. While the national average in France stands at 2,545, the increase in the region is nearly 66% over the last seven days. Here in Monaco on Monday, 80 new cases of COVID were declared, bringing the total number of residents affected since the start of the epidemic to 6,087. 37 people are currently in hospital and 330 people are being followed by the Home Monitoring Centre. Meanwhile, French Health Minister Olivier Véran has said that the Delta variant seems to have started to decrease. He said that this was good news, but that he remained cautious. He was speaking before the French Senate, which is examining the bill to convert the health pass into a vaccination pass. Despite French Prime Minister Jean Castex announcing measures to simplify the health protocol in French schools, teaching unions have continued their call for strike action on Thursday, claiming that the changes are not enough. On Monday evening, Castex announced that pupils who are considered as COVID contact cases will no longer have to have an antigen or PCR test from a pharmacy, replacing them with self-home COVID tests, uh, which would be available free of charge uh, from a pharmacy on presentation of a note from the school. Uh, Castex also added that parents who are informed that their child is a contact case will be able to wait until the end of the school day to collect them uh, from the establishment. Uh, teachers and parents, however, say that the system is shambolic and not sustainable as teaching unions continue to call for parents not to send their children to school on Thursday. 
In other news, the victim of a road accident in Nice on Monday has since died. The accident occurred at midday in the centre of Nice when the 75-year-old driver of a two-wheeler suffered a heart attack. No one else was injured in the incident. The Gustave Roux College in the Rougier district of Hier in the Var has been forced to close due to flooding. The flooding was caused at the weekend by a major water leak in a technical room on the second floor of one of the buildings. President Emmanuel Macron has made several major announcements concerning law enforcement and security uh, during a visit to the Outmara team on Monday. Macron announced that the security budget would be increased by almost 25% over five years and that he wanted to double the police officers on the ground by 2030. Speaking in Nice before elected officials, he also announced the creation of a force which would intervene on a temporary basis in neighbourhoods which are seeing a surging crime, such as drug trafficking. He said that the number of officers dealing with domestic violence would be increased from 2,000 to 4,000 within five years and that it should be possible to file a complaint online by next year. He also talked of increasing the police presence on public transport and the introduction of fixed fines for all offences which carry a prison sentence of less than one year. The measures proposed are expected to be put before the Council of Ministers in March and will be put before Parliament after the presidential election in April, should the winner of the elections decide to press ahead with the measures. During his visit, President Macron laid the foundation stone of a new police building in Nice, which will bring together the national and municipal police under one roof and is estimated to cost €220 million. Euros. In the afternoon, the head of state visited the Roya Valley, which was devastated by Storm Alex in October 2020. While on a walkabout in Tond, a woman showed her hands to the president with the words, I'm mad at you, written on them. A direct reference to the remarks made by Macron, who last week said that he wanted to annoy unvaccinated people in an interview with the Parisian newspaper. Upon seeing the inscription, Macron replied ironically, Thank you, thank you, it's nice, thank you and good luck, protect yourself. The exchange did not go any further. Finally, according to the latest INSEE survey, Nice retains its place as the fifth largest city in France in terms of population, with 345,528 inhabitants. Cannes becomes the second most populous city in the department, with 74,545 inhabitants, 1,107 more than Antibes, which lost between 2013 and 2019 3,278 inhabitants. In general, the population of the department has increased by an average of 0.2% per year. Riviera Radio, Sports News. Where have all those people in Antibes gone Rather careless of them. How did they lose them? Oh, it's easy to get lost in Antibes. Defected to Golfe Juan. No, you just go to the Blue Lady. Well, get lost in there. (laughs) Tennis, the governing body of the men's game, has said the controversy over Novak Djokovic's Australian visa application has been damaging on all fronts. The ATP says the complications in recent days over player entry to Australia has highlighted the need for clearer understanding, communication and application of the rules. It said that in travelling to Melbourne, Djokovic believed he'd been granted a necessary medical exemption in order to comply with entry regulations. The Australian government is still deciding whether to revoke the player's visa after a court ruled on Monday he should be allowed to remain and compete in the Australian Open. Football Manchester United have squeaked into the fourth round of the FA Cup with a 1-0 victory over Aston Villa after the visitors had two goals disallowed following controversial VAR decisions. Here's more from BBC Sports. 
BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Andy Barwell at the BBC Sports Centre. The final FA Cup third round fixture has taken place and it was an all-top flight clash as well. Manchester United were 1-0 winners at home to Aston Villa at Old Trafford. The BBC's Connor McNamara was there. Manchester United are into the fourth round. They have beaten Aston Villa by a goal to nil. Scott McTominay's header after Fred's cross after just eight minutes. And from then on, it was all Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard will not know how his team did not get back into this. Couple of goals disallowed by VAR. They hit the crossbar as well. So many chances for Villa, but they just couldn't take one of them to force this into extra time. Less than convincing for Manchester United, but they have got the job done into round four. Manchester United won Villa nil. Well, many of the African stars from the Premier League are away at the Cup of Nations, which is taking place in Cameroon. The Liverpool forward Sadio Mane scored the only goal of the game, as Senegal had a 1-0 victory over Zimbabwe in their opening group match. The defending champions Algeria played their opener on Tuesday. They're looking to become only the third nation to successfully defend the title. They take on Sierra Leone in an opening Group E fixture and Manchester City midfielder and Algeria captain Riyad Mahrez is looking forward to the contest. It feels good to, to come back and to play another tournament, like a big tournament in Africa. We know how important it is for our people, our countries. We are prepared and ready to to uh, to play our first game and to uh, enter the competition and for more football news from the bbc go to bbc.com slash football bbc premier league update from the home of premier league football there's one game in the english premier league tonight southampton play brentford oh we know. Start <laughs> late for <laughs> I didn't catch the Man United match a little bit of it Did last you? night. Did I turned out I was looking for EastEnders. Was they robbed? <laughs> they were robbed. What Villa? Yeah. Yeah. Did Danny Dyer come on as a substitute? <laughs> I couldn't find it. I I watched Coronation Street for the first time ever. Why couldn't you find? It wasn't on because the FA Cup was on. Oh. oh I thought see. you used to watch Coronation Street. I've never watched an episode uh, in my no, life. Oh, neither have I. Well, I've just started. <laughs> and I was. Quite pleasantly surprised. Did you understand that, what they were talking about? <laughs> yes, give me a break. Come on. <laughs> I might not be able to do Wordle, but I can follow Coronation How you get on with Wordle? I'm not. I'm still thinking about oh, okay. it. Okay. You only have five minutes, apparently. Oh, is you're it right now? You're supposed to finish then? it in five minutes. I don't know. Oh, I, I think you're supposed to what finish it in five What did you do it in two? Three. Three. Yeah, but Sally did it in two. Oh. Sally's clever this morning. Uh, finally, cricket Ben Stokes is being assessed ahead of the fifth and final test against Australia in Hobart, which starts on Friday. The England all-rounder picked up a side strain during the fourth test and is raised as doubtful for the final match. He's receiving treatments and a decision will be made on Thursday as to whether he can play. Australia have already won the series, in case you didn't know, and lead 3-0 heading into Hobart. Could be a song, that, couldn't it? Heading into Hobart. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Amaratim and Navarre. The general situation is a depression, 999 millibars over the Ionian Sea, and a ridge of high pressure, 1,025 millibars over Spain. A winter variable, force 1 to 3, the sea is calm, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Saint Jean Cap Ferrat, 1,012 millibars, and the outlook for Wednesday, clear skies, force 2 to 4 variable winds, slight seas, and good visibility. 
For North Corsica, winds are variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Cap Course 1011 millibars, and the outlook for Wednesday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. It looks like it's going to be a gorgeous day today. Clear skies, light variable winds, temperatures 15 to 16 degrees. Yesterday wasn't bad. Uh, that's 61 Fahrenheit. Overnight lows 4 to 6 degrees on the coast, minus 1 degree inland with clear skies. Wednesday and Thursday, clear skies, highs of 13 to 15 degrees. Finally. I can't decide. Can't decide on I what? I can't decide. I'll do this one. It's not... Well, OK, go. Uh, divorce and living alone could lead to ill health and death for middle-aged men. Those who live alone for more than seven years and see at least two of their relationships end have higher levels of inflammation in their body. This biological response to stress is linked to dying earlier. A study of more than 4,800 people aged 48 to 62 uh, were tracked by their divorces and breakups and how long they've spent living alone between 1986 and 2011. Women who experienced multiple relationship breakdowns or spent a long time living alone saw no increase in inflammation. <laughs> this may be because middle-aged women compared with men at the same age typically have larger friendship groups offering more emotional support, which helps prevent stress from affecting their health. Well, I think women are just better at getting on with it, aren't they? We talk about it, don't we? They don't mope around like men do. And, you know. Yeah. We talk it, talk it. <laughs> just Washing up, piled up in the sink. <laughs> What's for bit? What's for dinner? Beans on oh, toast. Oh, stop it! That's not true. <laughs> How does the washing machine work? <laughs> uh, it's not very cheerful, anyway. Sarah, hmm. Uh, you're up to date. The news is on the website rivieradio.cmc. Eighty minutes to eight. Sting doesn't look like he's going to die anytime soon, does he? He's well happy. Must be the tantric sex. <laughs> <laughs> 